So you're out on the street today doing things that make you feel really uncomfortable in front of other people. Is that right? That is correct. And and the reason why is because whack, it's just an, an inevitable fact of life that every time you do something new, you're going to be really scared to do it. And it's a nervous system quality of human beings that we can't remove. We can just change our relationship with. So it's something that I just feel so strongly behind because it's had such a profound impact on my life. And for me specifically, I felt necessary to do stupid stuff in front of randoms today. But ideally, it's 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 therefore a metaphor to go out and 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 do what my heart is pulling me to do in alignment with who I really want to be. See, I love this. I love this message. Like it's, I think we we have some similar stuff here where people would look at us and go, like, that's the craziest thing. You know, like I still have people talk to me about a time when I put like a photo of like little green balls that I chat at my ass um, after doing like a cleanse and I put it on Instagram and I still have people I talk about. It was like 2015 or something. Wow. Um, <laughs> but it was like a, it's a gallbladder flush uh, kind of thing. It's, it's interesting. You know, it's interesting science and interesting experience. Um, and it's, I guess, in a different way, it's that same thing of like, well, what do, what do I need to do? What do I need to go through so that I can speak from authority about, you know, the things that I value most, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I think what you're doing with social, like social shaming, I think is probably the most powerful thing. Like people talk about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and food and shelter and that stuff. I don't think that's true. Like you can go quite a while without, you know, food and um, shelter and whatnot, but being like really strongly disliked by your tribe or being like shamed by your tribe is is like instantly very, very powerful and, and damaging, like in the extremes, you know. So what you're doing there is like it's big, you know, it's it's like taking on kind of like the deepest fear and and threat, I think, to to humans, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. I totally agree. And People might say, oh, that's stupid. And like, how's that relevant? Like to put a picture up of your poo. But I mean, like, or whatever it was. But it doesn't look that much like poo. It looks like little marbles. I can send it to you after if you want to see. It would be an honor. <laughs> picture. <laughs> but yeah, to, but it, it's, it, it is relevant. It is very relevant because why? Because what happens is exactly like what you said, being tribal creatures, we, we believe fundamentally in our nervous system that if we're going to be disliked, we might be ousted. And then our chance of survival is, is going to drop massively. If we go back to just hundred percent stereotype, I'll just put it in the yeah, category of like KN days or whatever. And so we feel like in our body, Hey, if we do this, we're going to die. But the same thing happens with most people and their, and their dreams and what they really want to do in the world. Or they want to, they see someone that they're really into and they want to go up and say, hello, but, they're so petrified because rejection could mean being ousted from the tribe from like a, from like a new, like a nervous system programming perspective, which is just not true. And it's just the same thing. If we look at the, this, the marble picture of the, the crap or whatever you want to call it that you put up, why does it matter? Like, why would that matter? It's just, who gives a, it's just a picture. Like why, how in any way is that a problem? Or like one of the things that I did today was just, uh, just stupid thing of like big group of people sitting at um, Federation Square on the 
on the steps there and then i just was making these really loud stupid sounds and just moving really slowly looking like an absolute moron and i felt like an absolute idiot and i looked like an absolute idiot and i had some person yell and just be like shut the hell up which always triggers people and i don't blame them like it's it's annoying but it's just like yeah yeah it's just it makes it is so relevant because what happens is our intellect then to try to control the situation, to, to, to convince us to avoid doing this thing that it perceives is going to lead to our, our demise, our, our death or our um, harm, physical harm by being ousted from the tribe, then comes up with all these ridiculous excuses and reasons as to why you wouldn't do it. Why wouldn't you post a picture of the poo when you think? Why would it matter? It doesn't. It logically, it just doesn't matter. But our intellect is so intelligent and, and slimy and creepy and just like comes up with the with all these reasons and people do it with important stuff. So someone is in a job they just fundamentally don't like. If they leave, the worst thing that's going to happen is the government supports them to be comfortable. And, and yet there's a million and one different reasons that are actually really mature. Like, but I couldn't do that because of this. And it's like coming across with this flavor or uh, tonality of seriousness and maturity. It's the most immature thing in the whole world to just stay in a job that you don't like, but people will bring so serious and mature because their intellects are running the show. And that's why this stuff is relevant, in my opinion. Yeah, well, we're, we're wired for safety, right? We're wired for safety. We're, we're wired for sameness because we did live in dangerous environments where if you went to the other side of the hill, maybe someone was going to kick the shit over you. Maybe you never come back. Like maybe you meet mm. another tribe, or maybe you meet a tiger or whatever. So you always mm. have to be, like there was always that potential, you know, historically and all animals are kind of instantly making the decision of, you know, can I mate with that thing? Can I eat it? Or is it going to kill me? You know, so you're always making that decision instantly every time you look at someone. And, and, and I won't tell the audience what I'm thinking when I look at you, Ryan, but, you know, it's. I'm guessing, it's you, I'm guessing you want to eat with me, eat me and <laughs> mate with me. <laughs> Maybe mate, maybe mate with me first, and then eat me. (laughs) Once you're done. (laughs) Well, no, like to honestly though, like if we deal with this on a serious level, like why do I want to be on a podcast with you today, and why would someone want to listen to this? It's it's pleasure thing. It's a pleasure thing because as I become more knowledgeable and as I have a stronger crowd and community around me, then I have you know I have more uh, possibilities for life. And you know, it's a status thing. People can look at status as ego, but everyone has a place in a tribe and tribe is you know like you're getting to very fundamental things to like fundamentally reject tribe and to reject strong people and to reject people who have abilities and knowledge like this is kind of where we're getting to in some ways in in society with like hating wealthy people like how do you get wealthy like there are people probably who do it in ways that you know not proud of or they've inherited it or whatever but for for the majority of people to become wealthy, you have to serve a lot of people. You have to do something that other people value. Otherwise, you get you go to jail. Like mm. people value Google service, and so Google makes a, a, a lot of money. Um, mm. Now, you know, you can question eventually too much money, too much power. Like this is a big question for us at the moment: big tech, etc. But for the individual person, you probably don't need to worry that you're going to become Google. Like you probably don't need to worry that you're going to get to the point of so much power that you can potentially like, you know, enslave humanity or, you know, cause all sorts of, uh, all, all sorts of dramas. What yeah. you can do if you, if you did think about like getting seven figure wealth or, you know, you're the eight figure, eight figure coach, eight figure mentor, who would you have to be to be an eight figure mentor? 
you can always get rid of the money. I know you've given a lot to charity. Like the money's not really an issue. If someone, if, if the money caused you a problem, you could you could have taken that down to in Melbourne today and someone would have taken it from you. Like if you said, look, I've got way too much money, um, who would like some? It's never going to be an issue to unload it, but the fun is in who you had to become to be an eight-figure coach, right? Like how, how good does it feel being an eight-figure coach versus being a, you know, four-figure coach? Yeah, well, just in terms of my my character and all the stuff that I went through. I kept, exactly. Absolutely. That's what I mean. It's who you become. Yeah. It's not the... To me, I actually did have the pendulum swing of prioritizing uh, the feeling of being significant and status and bathing in that status and needing it to feel worthy. And then yep. when I had it and I realized that it was coming from a place of insecurity as a flavor, as a part of it, not the whole picture, then I did shed a lot of it. I did drop a lot of material possessions and I also played to the other priority and, and pendulum swung that way. And I realized that both were, both were, uh, were playing, playing around and experimenting and, and experiencing life. And I don't see a problem with either, either or like the, but both of them had big benefits to my fulfillment. Both of them had big, like, uh, without a integration or balance had drawbacks. So like when I had the cash, for example, and I wasn't, and I was more attached to it and it was coming from insecurity. I mean, that came with a lot of stress and pressure and self-inflicted like masochism essentially, and like working myself to the ground and burnout and whatnot. And, but on the same token, it was very fulfilling to be enthralled in what I did and working really hard and conquering my fears and learning to interact with people and putting myself in positions of leadership. There were also lots of beautiful things and like giving to charity and all these, like I gave over a hundred thousand dollars to charity. There were awesome things that came from it, but then the opposite side, the spectrum where I shedded a lot of layers and a lot of material possessions. I sold my car, moved into like a more basic house, still a really nice house, but just less, less out there and concentrated on finding joy in the simple simplicities of life, like breathing, sitting, eating, being in nature and whatnot. That was also really beautiful, but I wasn't enthralled in something and wasn't working hard and, and, and missed out on the fulfillment of the challenge, which is very fulfilling from my experimentation. Like today going in the city, I mean, I would have in my hippie days been like, oh, why would I put myself through that? Why? Because it feels really rewarding. And that challenge is something that stirs the human spirit to feel a sense of fulfillment. So both sides have a lot of merit, but it's definitely character that, and, and, the, and the feeling and the experience above all that I've seen with all my rich, super rich entrepreneurial friends, that they don't, the money doesn't do anything for them. It's always the character, it's the experience. And some of them that have systemated and autom systemized and automated their businesses systemize themselves out of it have way less fulfillment now than what they had when they were in the hustle and grind early days reflecting back at the mess and then it's like oh, i will miss those days because there was a lot of connection with their team there was a lot of challenge and problem solving and testing of their own capabilities that was where a lot of fulfillment came from yeah yeah you can't you can't stop the hero's journey and and the money itself is not that's not the hero's journey. Like the hero's journey is whoever you need to be, whatever you need to, to do, you know, and, and when you have that burning of like, okay, this is not it, then you have to go with that. And, and that like going away from money for you for a period of time and consciously doing that is, 
you know, that's epic. And it's a, it's a decision that very few people ever get to make. But, you know, mm-hmm. like I did the same thing in my 20s. Unfortunately, I, I hadn't made any money before it, but I went and traveled in Latin America. You know, I traveled from in 20, at 21, I quit university, traveled the world, and I didn't move back to Australia until 30. <clears throat> and I didn't really actually uh, want to move back to Australia. It was just kind of the way life worked out like a job opportunity and stuff but like that that time I think was pivotal you know like that that meant everything like being able to get away from everything and not valuing money at all sleeping on floors like living on less than 10 grand a year um it was it was an epic experience that means that now you know running business and having you know money having a family whatever like I know what it's like to have none and I don't really fear that um, because it, you know it doesn't doesn't really matter like you can actually you can still have a great life but the money gives you space and the money gives you fuel right so you can buy your own time which is the most valuable thing and you, you've got fuel like you can start whatever you want like you can you can start other projects if I had 10 million dollars or if I had 100 million dollars then I could start more projects that I believe in or sponsor more you know other people I think are going to do epic work uh, etc but like thinking money's gonna like the money's gonna make you actually feel good or whatever that's that's not it it's like the as you said like the journey the thrill uh like that's yeah it must have been such a thrill like you were what like how, how old were you when you started winning international I was 21 when i started it and and i built wealth very quickly in it and yeah it, it to be honest yeah. with you because some of it was thrilling. Like it was thrilling when I gave myself permission to use the money to do cool projects. Like for me, it was exciting to travel and run retreats in other countries. And so like it was expensive. Like I ran a retreat. Yeah, you did like, what, what did you do like Monaco or something? Yeah, Monaco, yeah. Switzerland, Vegas, <laughs> cool places. And upon at the time, the thing was I, I didn't give myself the chance to really relish the joy aspect of it. I got a lot of fulfillment from the work aspect and there were, there were pockets, pockets of joy, but there weren't, I, I didn't give myself the experience, the opportunity to really soak it up and be present like I have now, which is the, the gift of the, that the last season that I went through. Yeah. I think, yeah, you have to, maybe you have to do that. Hey, maybe you have to go through that stage where it's just all drive and just single-minded kind of focus and, Mm. I definitely get so much more joy out of my work now than like, you know, we did some work together and you sort of saw the very early stages of, of real movement. Like I just left Sydney and I was just starting to be a business owner. Like I was working together with, you know, Drew and Ben Slater, I mm. think just before um, I met you guys, like just getting business off the ground. I had no idea what I was doing. Like um, I just knew coaching and I just knew I wanted to make it work. And, you know, I had a young baby and just like rented a, a big luxury house. I just had to make it work. Um, and it's, yeah, like there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of drive and ego, like people who said I couldn't do it, you know, like people thought I was crazy leaving. You know, we just won the competition 2013, 2014, we the, won the regular season. Like I was working with Sonny Bill. It's like the dream, you know, was working there was another journey to go on and so you know had to had to give it a shot like you you kind of did the you know where you got to like you how many staff did you get to and at the peak of uh yeah we got to we got to 25 staff at 
at one point and that was pretty cool but i really want to address what you just said there because i think there's a lot of there's yeah. there's so much so much in that in in your ability to honor right. your heart's right. desires and honor because the call for courage see for me i'm obsessed with courage at the moment it's like my it's been a, a theme of my whole life i really feel like it's something that i've been put here to be able to spread the message around and i love that if you look back at the latin root like the etymology of the word comes from core which means heart hearts desires intuition kind of feeds into the same concept and so the thing is like i see decision making coming from either one of two places either intuitive which means that it's something that you feel a pull towards and you could mix in an element of spirituality into that or or just something that feels right even steve jobs in his like stanford speech that he did like one of his famous stages speeches he he hit home the point he's like you have to trust your heart and intuition because it somehow already knows who you truly want to become and i really i really dig that the thing is with intuition though and and courage is it is the unfamiliar it is the unknown and there's this quote which says you can you can measure what you're going to lose but you can't measure what you're going to gain in a lot of decision making and that's exactly what you're talking about every time you've reinvented yourself i.e up leveled into a new season of your life taken a, a new route that's different to the predictable success that you've had and everyone else's insecurities and intellects project on and go ah you're going to lose this but they can't they, they're not thinking about what you could gain they're just thinking about what you could lose because that's the intellect's desire for control from the safety perspective that we we're talking about earlier and so people don't think of it through that the lens of having seeing this that's what's that quote it's like life can be a daring adventure or nothing at all it's like uh by the the blind lady i can't remember her name uh helen helen keller that's right uh, It's, it's true and that's exactly what you've created for yourself and it's brilliant and it's character building it's fulfilling and you're going to keep gaining because the character is not going to stop. The fun, yeah, I mean, the fun is just in when, you know, you have to go to the next thing, like when your heart really says, you know, like I'm, we've got that farm. I don't know. I think, you know, I'll probably share that dream with you, you know, before I share it with many people of like, oh, you know, I want to have a farm, I want to have a location where people can come in and they can train and they can get this deep experience that gives them a new perspective on their life and what freedom feels like, you know, like just disconnect from everything they have to do for a few days and, and think about what they really want and, and train hard and be around other, you know, enthusiastic people like that's these are the experiences that i was like cultivating and i wanted to have my own place to do it so i could customize that experience more and then we bought it but we you know it, it wasn't the right time and you know th things didn't go exactly to plan definitely got wrapped up in too much ego um in 2017 like went in in a direction that didn't make much sense didn't work in terms of business like start a franchise and i went too premium with my product and and all that stuff but then i probably had know, an influence on that by the way hey on some level um <laughs> uh, you no like the so you influenced me to go i think from 3000 to 10000 or 3 to 5 or 5 to 10 or you know one of those but then i i launched like a $30,000 a year program um after i did the bob proctor thing so i actually it was a bit like your dan Pena experience even though he's like a, a heart guy but um mm. i i went there i went to hawaii it was like 65 grand us mm. and i went to hawaii and i was like the only guy there that didn't own a suit and um you know i was like <laughs> i was definitely the odd one out but you know it was a it was a great experience um 
but it, yeah, it did kind of push me a little bit more into some stuff that I probably wasn't ready for, some decisions that, you know, I just couldn't really, um, yeah. So, you know, that, that caused some, some pain and some internal, you know, trauma and, and, um, doubting myself and whatnot. And then, you know, that kind of downward spiral ended up in, in us selling that place and now, you know, living on Sark, uh, where we are now. But then as soon as like I, we decided to sell the house and as soon as it was done and stuff, it was like just such a, so much space and so much relief. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, did you feel like letting go of winning international? How, how was that? Like that was, that was your baby. That was your first, uh, you know, or a big win. I don't know if you had a big win before that, but. No, nah, that was my biggest win for sure. The most meaningful yeah. and, and substantial thing that I built up. And You're so 21. So you couldn't have done much. You couldn't yeah, have done too much exactly. before it, surely. I I, yeah, I fiddled around and had some successful successful smaller ventures, but I was chopping and changing like crazy back then. But yeah, I, I built it up and it became a very successful business. But then towards the, the end stretch, there were some financial issues that had me, that caught me off guard. And uh, there was about 700K worth of instant damages that came from the executive that was in the business at that time. Because I was growing so quickly that, at the same timing of that executive managing half of our 25 staff and put me in the managerial position of 25 people. And anyone that knows me or has worked with me closely knows that history will show that my organization skills and operational rigor, I understand the concepts intellectually, but my ability to actually show up operationally is just the worst. Like I'm just not a manager. I'm an entrepreneur. I can be a technician as well in certain areas, but it's just the worst thing. So I was put in this position. I was drilling it hard and out. We were not in the best position because all of a sudden, like I was spending, like we had all this, this cash and then all of a sudden we're 700 K back, which put us right in the worst position. And, um, but I was still pushing it hard. And I got to a point where I was like, this is just stupid. Like, even, even if I do want to get keep the same thing going. I've got to pull back to be able to go forward. So I took out expenses probably from 300K a month to like 50K a month over a period of maybe six months. So we went from 300K a month to 50K a month, pretty much running the same ship. But the reason the cost base was so high was because I wasn't playing for a business doing four or five mil a year. I was playing for a business to do 25 mil a year. So all my cost base was like set up for us to do 25 mil. And and as a result, I was never, I didn't care about profit. I wasn't actually in it so I could have a bunch of money for myself to spend. I was in it to be someone that's made something really big so I could be recognized. Well, but I'm like, I'm, I'm nitpicking more on the, the, the shadow aspects here for learning opportunities for the listeners. But yeah, that's, that essentially happened. And then after I pulled it back to that lower cost base, it gave me the space just because it was so easy to profit with a 50K cost base versus a, you know, because I could just sell. It's just so easy, like versus a three hundred k cosmos. I mean, it was the simplest thing in the world to make profit. But having that space and being out of the ringer for a moment gave me the opportunity to go. What do I actually want to do? Why did I start this business in the first place? And what the hell was driving me this whole time? I kind of like got swept up and I didn't take a, a second to pause and look at my stretches. And I I realized that those blind spots that I had around what was driving me at that point which is was the hero archetype not the hero's journey but from a king warrior magician lover masculine archetype perspective the last uh boy archetype to develop 
which is the the boy version of the warrior the hero is the last one to develop in a man between like 16 and 18 and this archetype develops in a man to give him unrealistic ex, uh, possibility of what he can go out and do arrogance ignorance so that he can separate himself from the mum from the family unit and then become a man essentially and that was what was driving me and i didn't realize that and when i realized it I was like wow i gotta do some soul searching so anyway i let go of it very in a similar way where i was like ah relief this wasn't even the path that i was meant to be going like this the path is meant to take a turn now thank gosh i saw it in the way that i did because if i waited an extra six months the damage that i caused in that last little chapter could have been substantial i could have lost a lot of investments and and stuff like that so it was really yeah. <laughs> yeah, must have been. Uh, yeah, like it's hard to imagine. Yeah, I still haven't got to fifty grand a month. Um, you know, payroll kind of expenses, and you you know you cut back to 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 fifty grand a month from three hundred k. Like I can't imagine having three hundred k in expenses. You know, to to kind of break even. Um, it's yeah, wild, wild journey, you know, to be at that point in your in your twenties. What like did you have many friends? Like, did you go be private school and stuff? Like, did you grow up around like people who were doing that sort of stuff? Or nah, was it man. just it, it wasn't like <laughs> I just landed there at that point either. I built up to it. I built yeah. up to it quickly, but for sure. I, I left school not fitting in very well at school and kind of being I was very socially anxious and I was kind of like uh, a that's how I saw myself and that's how I was anchored in terms of my personality. I felt kind of stuck to that emotional, uh, yeah. social point on the hierarchy, the status. I didn't have very high status, so to speak, at school. I was very nervous and shy and and wanted to be liked. But I was, yeah, anyway, when I left school, I, I was a bit I, the same, man. Like, I was, yeah, I was... I felt like I was really high status in primary school. And then once high school came and I didn't really go through puberty when everyone else was. And also like, and it was really hard for me to deal with like the the big fish anymore. I'm not thinking like I was running the whole show. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. School was tough. Like the last few years of high school and stuff, like just yeah. Girls and alcohol and drugs and yeah. You know, sex and whatever. Like it's, there's a lot to deal with there. Things change um, pretty mm. quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And I really like what Jordan Peterson talks about around status and the development of a, of a human. I really like how he says the best thing you can do for a child is teach him to socialize well and play well with other kids and the long-term effect of that, knowing that then they'll make friends and friends are really helpful to have and they'll be liked by older people and mentors and teachers and that makes a big difference if teachers like you or the the sports team leader likes you or the music teacher likes you. That is a huge difference in the trajectory of your life because then you believe, because as a young person, who you are is only uh, uh, determined by the way that other people treat you, kind of teaches you what you're like, what your self-worth is. That's how else do you know how worthy you are? And so if you're not liked by your peers and you're not liked by people that are older than you, then you're going to grow up thinking there's something wrong with you and your self-worth is going to be terrible. So I really like that. Is that um, like what you kind of dealt with? Like, is that part of what drove you so much out of high school? Or like, did did you have that from teachers and parents and stuff? Or like, where? Uh, you- I was an interesting one because... 
I was so anxious, but I was also liked by a lot of people because my dad was really strict on etiquette. So parents always liked me because I was such a nice boy. You know, I was always so well-mannered and well-behaved and, and really kind and that. nice. Yeah, you've, you've still got that. Thanks, man. And, it makes you and very yeah, likable. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It does. And so he had that. And, and, and because, so it's so interesting because my dad gave me these traits and that's probably what actually helped, but on the same token, the way in which he gave them was also toxic. So the, the, the world reflected well to me, but because my inner own sense of self was so weak, they kind of like can't, I didn't see the reflection that the world gave me. So like it was, so, so uh, my dad was so strict on me in terms of my performance that I performed really well at things and people liked me because I performed well at everything. Like I won the academic award in primary school and I won the sports awards for every sport. So it was just Mm -hmm. like, I was a freak at everything and therefore people liked me, but I just felt so anxious and nervous. And I only built myself a sense of self based on externals. I didn't have a grounded sense of self just for being a a human. Um, And I also was taught etiquette, but it came from a really strict, crazy level of, uh, discipline from my dad of like smash the table if you make a noise with your mouth and so i was always in fight or flight so there's a bit of both there so i had like good reflection from the world but i didn't receive it very well i still like and and that reflected in my success in my business because i had you know you're like can't believe this you would have felt like it would have been a bit of a high having all this success in your 20s I, i felt like i was failing so hard i felt like i was so far away from where i should should have been I was chasing way bigger numbers, which was just escalating. It was constantly escalating the number that I was chasing or the size I was chasing or the performance of myself that I was chasing. And as a result, my, I would walk into a room, there'd be people that with way less success that just I could just tell that they were way more confident than I was. And I just was confused. And I'm like, why? Why don't I have a grounded sense of self? Why don't I have unconditional love of self? Why don't I actually back myself? Uh, and that's been my journey over the last few years, which is what I'm passionate about teaching now. Yeah, it's crazy because I, th- I think we have a lot in common in our internal journeys. Um, and, you, you know, you project a lot of confidence. Like, obviously, you have to project a lot of confidence to do what you did from 21. Like, you were leading lots of successful adults, high-achieving adults in their businesses, right? Like, and yeah, you had this kind of internal dialogue going on. Like that must have been, you know, that must have been tough. Yeah, it was suppressed. It was like the because I wasn't always aware of the internal dialogue. I was pushing it down, stuffing it down deep. But when I was, yeah. <clears throat> so just to give people an idea, and this is why I love courage so much. When I started winning international and just real quick background so you get an idea of how quickly I stepped into that role of owning myself and being able to coach other people. I started the business within 10 weeks. I had 50 clients, 50 coaching clients, and I went around 12 seminars in that in that first 10 weeks. But before, the day before, even a day before running my first seminar, I was scared to post online, even a text post, even a photo post. So to go from photo, not photo posting on social because I was so scared of judgment to running seminars had me rock up feeling like my body was like, like pretty much throwing up. I threw up at one of my seminars, um, <laughs> but like I was so scared. And like in I, front of everyone or? Nah, I ran to the in, toilet. In, in, in the- <laughs> but 
No, nah, but I was so scared and I put on, I said, I'm just oh. going to give everything that I can give and I'm just going to show yeah. up hundred percent. So I went from zero to hero, you know, just went like, all right, everyone, this is what we're doing. And then I was able to step into that character because then how you start usually how things will continue to kick off. If you have a good start to your day, your day will be solid. So I'd start just by giving my absolute all and then I would just do my best. And, and another thing is whenever I would, I didn't have the, see, I was operating outside where I should have been operating for where I was actually at. So I was trying to skip things. So that even happened with TJ hiring him as a mentor for 50K, having a thousand bucks coming out of my account a week at that point at 21, I knew I needed that to grow at the level I want to grow. But it wasn't appropriate, objectively, to hire a mentor at that rate. But I knew it was going to force me outside my comfort zone. I knew I'd only run the seminars if I had invested that. So I did it. So I used the willpower in the moment to make that decision and then made it happen probably prematurely to what I should have. You know, take yeah. into consideration of divine timing and whatnot. I, I think... There's, there's definitely some degree of it, right? And how you exactly how you respond to it. It also matters who the mentor is and what their energy is, uh, I think. Mm. But it's a it's a funny one because we all play small. Like we're all capable of more. Like with our whether it's with our training and our you know, nutrition and that stuff, like the goals for the season and how they're trying to develop their game and whatever. Like the finance, I find like I'm sure you know you would have had this as well. Like. If you don't leverage, if people aren't leveraged financially, then you just don't have their attention. Like adults, it's so difficult to have their attention. It's my experience. Like if you try to give them free advice, then they'll value it at the amount that they've paid for it. You know, like it's mm. uh, even if they are asking for help, they still won't uh, do anything about it. The majority of the time, for the majority of adults, like it's not a black and white rule, but in terms of getting like massive action and really people saying like, look, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to change to get that change in people. Uh, often for adults, if there's money there, then you have much higher chance, I think, of, of, of seeing that action. Like, yeah, we're, we're talking about that leverage. You've, you've had it both sides where you've invested a lot and where you've asked other people for an investment that you know like really stretches their comfort zone. Mm. Uh, how do you feel about like that, that whole... Uh, that leverage situation, the, the leverage of money. Yeah. I, I think as our whole society values everything financially, like everything's got a financial association to it, even our time that, yeah, if people don't invest in things with a financial, I like investing in things. Like I, I genuinely want to invest in something. And if people say, Oh, you know, don't, we'll just do it for free. I say, no, 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 that's not going to work for me because I know that I won't act myself on it unless I put money behind it. Like legitimately it's, we can yeah, see yeah. this with our own human behavior. And I'm not like, if I genuinely want to improve in an area, I want to put money behind it because I want to get the result. And so, yeah, hundred percent. I think another big factor as well that I think both like this is not in substitute of the financial thing, but on top of that is the community aspect. Uh, I think when people have a community, people will tend to hang around for that, tr the tribal reasons as well. I've mm -hmm. noticed, even if yep. like, even if like, if they were so like, if someone joined a program and there's 50 people on it and they haven't interacted with anyone else and they've paid for it, I've still seen heaps of people drop out. I just did a courage course that went for four weeks and there were 
the people that have already dropped out. It's been three weeks because obviously the tasks that I'm giving people are pretty tricky. And they haven't dropped out. They just missed one of the webinars. But it's it, it bought, like for me, I'm just like, man, I'm disappointed because I want them to be there and I know how important it's going to be for them. But I know that if we had that 50 person, a 50 person program and someone was really had become close friends with 10 other people in there, they're probably going to keep showing up, even if they would want to drop out. But if someone hadn't had the fun, like someone that didn't have that, those 10 people they were friends with in there that they'd become friends with and they'd paid it, they could still drop out. But if they only had the friends and they hadn't made the financial commitment, there's still a good chance that they're going to drop out as well. Is from my what I've seen. So I feel like both yeah. are really important. Hundred percent. Did you did you put a lot of effort into cultivating community with uh, Winning International? I think the I, I don't think it was my uh, intention, but I think because I just wasn't a very, or from my opinion, uh, it was something that I valued a bit, but I was way more lone wolfy myself, and therefore. I didn't, I didn't see the same value of community that I back then that I do now. Uh, but there was a lot of community because we ran retreats. And when people would go to a five-day retreat and stay with other people, the amount of depth of connection they'd have. Like one of my best friends, Crystal, now that was a client in my program for three years, she is like most of her, her friends from that program that are her lifelong friends now. And she stayed in for age and they'd stay in because they want to see each other at the next retreat. I look back and I'm just like, wow, it wasn't pretty amazing. Uh, it was a tough, but for people in terms of like the expectations and then playing full out, but they got an enormous amount of growth and an enormous amount of, uh, of connection and community. What, what sort of stuff were you doing at those, those retreats? Man, it was such a mixed bag, but usually we'd have like one fun day, like, in the middle, which might be skydiving and dinner together. We usually have dinner together every night. There'd be two days of content. Sometimes it was personal development orientated. Some days it was, um, some days it was business. So like Facebook ads or something like that. And then there'd be a day of, of action. Uh, and there's a day of planning and goal setting, uh, the five days. However, there were just the craziest things that would emerge throughout it. Like that there might be a pool and I'm just like, you know what? I want you to tell your story. And then someone comes up to the front and tells a story and breaks down in tears. And then, um, then it's like, cool, we're changing it. Everyone, you're telling your story and you're going to tell it as vulnerable and deeply as possible. And we'd record it so they could use it for content. There were magic moments that came from random spontaneous things like that. We also gave medallions out to our clients if they hit their their goals for the quarter because we had the retreats every quarter so there's always a medallion ceremony and if people were always anticipating am i going to get the next medallion because there was a series of different colored different numbered medallions there were 12 so they'll like oh you know i really hope i get my medallion and sometimes they wouldn't if they didn't get close enough to their goals which was subjectively decided by myself and the other coaches but if they got their medallion it was such a proud moment and then they do big like everyone's cheering and they do like a big circle around the room and everyone is high-fiving them and dance celebration and some people grab like a jug of water and just tip it on their head and just be like yeah. <laughs> it was so cool man so that was great crazy moments uh, in those events really cool yeah i think those human experiences are like yeah, that's the that's the real the real fun of it, right? Like who you become, but then getting to share that and other people seeing, you know, and expecting other people expecting the best from you. Like yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of people haven't experienced being part of like a real winning culture. Um, yeah. 
and it's such a like it's you're a different person in that winning culture right like compared to who you are when you're not in a winning culture like yeah yeah you know what something that popped up there as well as the leader of that because we had 250 clients in that program at one point that 12 month program and as the leader of that because i hadn't experienced running something like that before i was holding up a very strong wall or barrier because and i was easily offended by feedback and yeah. and people not liking it and and i'm sure most coaches go through this is why i'm hope why i wanted to mention this and as a result i i i was kind of like uh, i, I yeah, wasn't in it, fully but you're not in it. Yeah. yeah, and I wasn't fully appreciating how beautiful what I'd created was because I would concentrate on the negative feedback that I would get from the group. So I was always like trying to safeguard people complaining about the results of the program um, and, and stuff like this. But now I look back and the way that I approach my programs now is like, I know my program's freaking awesome. And so because I know that within, within myself and I've got that strongest sense of self, then people respond to me having that stronger sense of self. Whereas because I innately believed that maybe there was something wrong with me or I took personally the feedback that I was getting, I, I was holding on to that. And then the energy that I was holding was a bit defensive. And uh, it, so going back in time, I, I think I'd have it now when I run programs and, and workshops and I speak, and I'm actually a mindset coach in another mastermind at the moment where I get paid to run a mindset, fortnightly mindset call. And I can see from the, like, I drill these people on their, their lack of gratitude and their, their lack of appreciation. Because some people are like, oh, I'm in here and my finances are, and it's like, you paid for it. You committed to it. There's benefits to it and there's drawbacks to it. There's also benefits and drawbacks if you didn't do it, but you've chosen it. So own it and get on with it. And, and so, yeah, I did miss a bit of the, the joy from it because I was, I was feeling a bit uh, unsafe or insecure about people not liking it. You, you were like 10, 10 years ahead of me and 10x the dollars, but sim, similar sorts of journeys, you know, like I was having these these camps as well and they were amazing experiences and I, I did enjoy them and I knew they were amazing, but I would also have like, yeah, like that barrier thing and like super sensitive to any, any kind of criticism about like um, – and overwhelmingly, like the feedback was positive, and people did build like long-term friendships and stuff. Like heaps of those guys are still connected and chat with each other. Like Brando and Tim, I don't even know if they've ever met, but they they chat all the time. Like the you know ones on in Sydney, ones in Perth, like running epic gyms and like all these. You know, it's um it's funny how you just make make stuff up and yeah, because because it's just that thing where if, if I did a post right now on Facebook and a picture of us doing a selfie and, and I talked about something controversial uh, and, and then I get heaps of positive comments, but one negative comment, <laughs> my heart drops and I get the negative comments still, still today. And it's because yeah. again, it's that nervous system that we, and this is what I really want the people that are listening to, to get from this, that no one, like none of us are different none of us are different we all have the same human experience and we all we we can't avoid these feelings yeah you know, there's a bit of like uh you know we this we're doing what we love now we're we're jamming we're doing what we love i get up on a high i get like super certain when i'm doing these because this is my element right now like me speaking i'm in my element so i can come across more confident because i'm more confident because this and this is where i i thrive speaking and interviews and whatnot however what I really, really want the people that are listening to get is that you 
Keegan and myself, Ryan, we get, we go through the same shit in our nervous systems and everyone does. And I think that's such an, a beautiful invitation to lift your own self up, not look down at yourself for feeling like, oh, I can't believe I'm feeling negative about this person's comment. I also feel the same way. I know Joe Rogan feels the same way, actually, because I've heard him talk about it before. Jordan Peterson feels the same way. He says if he does an interview on with a journalist who's asking him tough questions, it takes him like three or four days to recover from it emotionally. I mean, he's one of the most certain, intelligent, self-assured people you would think, right? But we all have nervous systems. We all want to feel like we're a part of the tribe and we're liked in the tribe. It's just human nature. So feel it and know that you're normal. And then because you have the awareness of the fact that everyone else is feeling the same fear and nervous system responses, you can still choose to act in spite of it. And that's where the gift is. 100%. It's so much wisdom there. Who else do you really buzz on? You mentioned you know, Rogan and Peterson. Like, is there anyone else that like jumps to mind that? I like. I'm going to be pretty honest and say that I like. I'm a bit of a like. I freaking love everyone. It's very rare. Like sometimes I get triggered. In particular, like for example, with uh, Dan Pena. He's probably like Dan Pena and Elon Musk. I noticed someone mentioned Elon Musk the other day, and I noticed a little bit of a feeling in my body, like. He's working really hard because I haven't forgive, fully forgiven myself for burning myself out. So I know this is like a tiny bit of trigger there, but it's very rare that there'll be a thought leader that I don't find something that I really love with them. So I'm more of a fan of like whose flavor suits me at the moment. So like David Goggins, I love pushing myself. It's what I thrive on. I love pushing myself past what's possible. And and my if I do an event, my always when people are like, play more full out, more full out, that's always a danger zone for me because I probably need the opposite to be pulled back. Like when I did Tony Robbins and he was like, go harder, go harder. I vomited in my mouth twice during the Dickens process. And I was punching myself in the face when I was in the negative part of that. Cause he's like, what would you do to yourself? What would you say to yourself? If it's 20 years in the future and you haven't done it, he's like, play more full out. Would you scream? Would you cry? I'm screaming and slapping myself in the face and it's spitting. <laughs> it's like, I've got to be pulled back because I play so full out because I'm always questioning, am I going hard enough? So I really like that. Um, but I did kind of like go more hippie mode. And so David Goggins at the moment is a f- phenomenal role model for me uh, because I needed a bit of a flavor of get your ass to, into gear. And I know that's that's needed for me at the moment. Same thing with Jordan Peterson, same thing with Joe Rogan. Um, any motivational videos, even ET, Eric Thomas, hip hop preacher. Appreciate that vibe at the moment, you know. But at a certain point, I'll go, okay, what's needed in this moment? And it might, and because I will still equally listen to like uh, satsangs from Muji uh, talking about oneness and being and peace and, and uh, just, you know, I really love the whole gamut. Same with music. I love all music pretty much hard rock, heavy metal, uh, opera, classical. I like listening to the Wiggles, like legit. I listen to watch kids' movies, adult movie, everything. It's just like I do like experiencing the full spectrum. Love that. That's that's, that's cool. So the, do you want to uh, do you want to share a bit on the Dan Pena thing? Because I, I'm sure I know there are a lot of young guys who want to, uh, you know, like they want to be super successful, and I think that message does it does resonate because people want to be led and he's such an alpha leader in his, in yeah. his message. 
the way he's kind of constructed himself. Do you think it's real? Or do you think it's a construct? Like, ah, I think it's real. Yeah, I think he probably he definitely exaggerates certain things, but it's fairly real. Like, it's it's not that hard to like live like that. It's just you know. No, I don't mean like the money and stuff. Like, I think I think just like it's like because so I listened to it a few times and then. Once I started listening to him a few times, I'm like, okay, like he's saying it's the same script each time. And he talks about like practicing his script. And then so it's like if he's practiced his script, then how much do you write down like, okay, for this avatar, I need to be nah. this kind of, you know, daddy alpha male. No, nah, I don't think so. I just think he – I think his psyche is based upon feeling like like he he's got a very – harsh set of conditions that he needs to meet for him to feel full in himself and so like self-preservation animals that we are because as kids our we're taught by our parents how to behave and as dependent kids whose survival is based upon our parents and the tribe it's like if we if we don't appease what they say we think we're they're not going to love us and then we're going to die same thing so for him he had a really harsh dad and he thought that if he didn't perform that his dad wouldn't um, wouldn't love him, and he'd be and he'd die. So he's still running the same script. He literally believes that if I don't perform like a fucking, if I don't cane it and be hard and strong and a fucking beast, then I'm a pussy, and my dad's not going to love me, and I'm not going to be, and I'm going to die. So he puts on this because he has to put it on, and that's a very strong. Like again, people do more to avoid pain than they do to gain pleasure. He's trying to avoid the pain of not being loved by his dad is hundred percent my psychoanalysis. And as a result, it's very like I I worked from 7 a.m. until 3 a.m., 5 a.m. day in, day out. I wrote like I've just done so many crazy physical feats of of like mental toughness and hard work and showing up and things because for me, I needed to do that to feel worthy of love. Like it was more painful for me not to work that hard and risk being rejected by my dad and then discovering I'm not lovable and I'm going to be asked from the tribe and die than it was just to work hard. And for him, it's the same thing. So it's it's 100% real. Like everything that he says is real. And, and the reason that I did that post is because the sort of people that are attracted to him, not all of them, but a large chunk of people that I've seen because the sort of people that have come to me asking if they should do the seminar, in my opinion are people that are already in that hardcore hero archetype as a young young boys as the warrior like the undeveloped warrior so the immature warrior and they're thinking they have to prove themselves to the world to be worthy of love and so they're already going in feeling less than and like they need to be mega successful to be worthy of love and he takes that and he times it by 10 times it by 100 <laughs> now, he'll call and and he's really brutal. And, and so I think it plays against people's already insecurities. So it'd, it'd be brilliant to have someone that says, yeah, work hard, like maybe a Tom Bailey, but but also understands the the element of self-worth because because Tom Bailey's got more self-worth than Dan Pena. Tony Robbins has more self-worth than Dan Pena. Um, Lewis Howes have more self-worth than Dan Pena. So that's why I think for a young man, it's kind of like if the tribal leader in a tribe that was initiating a boy into a man says just like, like you're an absolute piece of shit unless you do this this and this 
where there, there's an element of like reverence and honoring and respect for the fact that you're a man and you're worthy of love for playing a role in the tribe. Not if you don't kill a thousand tigers a day, you're a piece of shit. It's like, it's just not, not the way that it goes. There's, there's, so I feel like he just takes it to the unhealthy, which might be good in that small percentage of people that are just, they've got a good sense of self. They're spoiled. I feel like the sort of people that grow up in kids where, with uh, fathers that are like, wealthy and that they need to be put into line kind of like they'd get similar uh, benefit from the military would be really beneficial to go there but someone like me you know i needed to be told that i'm actually worthy of love that's what i needed to hear and probably pull back a bit and i would have succeeded more not the opposite not being told that i'm a lazy piece of shit you know because a lot of people don't uh, you, they probably do see the full gamut of it but you know there was an african-american black lady that's called a flat a fat black nigger bitch that's the sort of things that he, he says to people at the seminars. Like, I don't see that as healthy. He says to, he, there's a dude from Haiti and he's like, I wish that I was in the military and I could just go to Haiti and I wish I could have killed every last one of you motherfuckers. This is dude from Haiti in there. I'm like, where the, that is just such bullshit. Like you're not helping this person by saying that you're not filling him up and giving him the strength and confidence to thrive. You, you stabbing him down because of your own insecurities. And so I just, is he just doing is he just doing what you did today in the city? You know, is it is it just like desensitize people or does it desensitize people so that they're not scared of because Dan said the worst stuff ever to them. So then if someone says like you stink on Facebook, then they don't, you know, that doesn't shut their business down. It could be his you know? intention. It could be his in, it could be his intention. Absolutely. And that's why I think I believe that he actually thinks that he's making a positive difference. And he yeah. is. He's still making a difference because he'll still be moving people and it's subjective what's good and bad. But yeah. I just feel like if the goal is for someone to develop a strong sense of self that's unconditional, where they can come back to it, that doesn't take away from the value in pushing yourself. But if it yeah. comes from a place of like, you know, I really honor who I am and I believe that I deserve it. And therefore, I want to go out there and I want to achieve what my heart's desires are. I feel like there's a lot of maturity and health to that. Whereas if it's like right now, you are a piece of shit. And then if you go out there, you're probably not even going to amount to anything anyway. But if you do, if you, um, yeah, if you go out there, maybe you you can claim some self-worth. You know, it's, it's, I personally, from my understanding of personal yeah. development and all the, the stuff that I've studied, I just don't think it's the healthiest way. And I think it magnifies an already existing problem that a lot of young, uh, insecure entrepreneurs have, me being one of them. And the sort of people that would come to me I, that, that I look at and I just psychoanalyze a young entrepreneur and I look at what they've, they've achieved and who they are. And I'm thinking, the problem here is that you don't love yourself. It's not, you're not working hard enough. I mean, you already have a $5 million business and you're 23. Like you don't need to go told you, be told you're a piece of shit and then just like make that even more intense. Like you, you already are incredible. It's just about aligning to where you can have that fullness. Uh, and to be honest with you, I think this is the only way that the world's going to be able to create uh, sustainable living was when people develop a sense of like love and empathy for themselves in a way that that cascades out to the people that they're touching in whatever their service or product is, whether they're an employee or an entrepreneur, because I don't think we can control the behavior, uh, the, the industries and the technology. I think we can only control the individuals. And so that's why I'm not a massive 
fan of the way in which he goes about it, even though I believe that he thinks that it's the best thing he could do for people because he's just operating from his frame. I mean, what else can he do? And that's why I don't think he's a piece of shit. I just think he's wounded and doing the best that he can. And I've got respect for the fact that he works really hard. And I've got respect for the fact that he's preaching his message. I think it's for, like good on him. And I just don't think it's a healthy message. Yeah. That's yeah. just my opinion as well, based on my experience. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, you, have, you know, that's, you do have a big experience, you know, with, with him, with that event, the time in your life that, that happened. And you know, mm. it's, um, it's cool that you have the courage to kind of share that as well, because I think for a lot of people, you would like, it would become like a, well, I wasn't a successful student off the back of his stuff. And like, you know, take the negative of that of like, if he's yeah. been able to help all these people, then what's wrong with me? Like when you look at his success stories or whatever, yeah, where, you know, it's um, it's It'd cool. be interesting to look at the uh, what the people that have been successful from him do, because like one of his successful students at the event came on a uh, on a live conference call during the event that I went to, and the dude was was insane. He was really really unhealthy. He was staying in like the penthouse apartment of like a Tokyo um, rich hotel. And he was just, yeah, it, it didn't seem like a very healthy kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's always great with mentoring as well of like where, where the exact influence is. Cause everyone has like a whole gamut of, you know, experiences that form and then you have a relationship with someone and things change and, it's a yeah. funny thing that we have to sort of say, you know, testimonials and stuff are so important, like social, like the credibility and things are so important that, but, you know, it's never a black and white of yeah. who you were before and who you are after and what, who changed what, like. Yeah. Yeah. I think pretty murky waters. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's so complex. Like Dan wasn't like, he's not at fault for anything that happened with me. Like I chose to go to the fucking event. I just don't yeah. think it was the healthiest thing for me now, but he was the exact sort of thing that was really attractive for my insecurities at that point. You know, I was just like, yes, it's finally someone telling me I'm a, like a piece of shit. <laughs> finally, someone sees what I see. It's like, <laughs> everyone's just telling me I'm doing so good. I'm doing so well. Like good on you for having this four or $5 million business. And I'm thinking, mate, I should be doing a hundred million, 200 million, 300 million. And finally someone can tell me that, which, which is why, like, I just think there's that it's not dangerous. Cause like I didn't die, you know, but, uh, but I do feel like there's, there's healthier, there's healthier role models that preach the same message, but on the same token, if you know, you yeah, <laughs> there's so many factors to it. Eh? If you need to go and experience it, then go and experience it. Yeah, you're not going to die, right? Yeah, yeah. And you might need, like, you might be like, okay, cool. I understand that what I need is more discipline. And I know that I'm a good person, but I just want to have the experience of like being put through some some shit to to grow my, my uh, yeah, kind of like going to the military. We all, we all need that from time to time. Like you did it today. Yeah. I, I've been doing it. Like I've been doing my fat to free thing where I'm only, you know, like dropping body fat and just an extra level of discipline. And I feel great as a result of that discipline. I'm sharing it with, you know, other real movement members, like yeah. you know, the courage group, like we do it in our own ways. It's just whether yeah. that flavor of it that Dan Pena delivers is like, and, and, what and the long-term effects of it, you know, which, like fat loss can be a negative thing as well. Like for some people, if they're yeah. you know, anorexia or, you know, um, 
whatever, like if there's an emotional side to things that needs to be healed, that sometimes the physical isn't the answer and all that sort of thing. But sometimes yeah. fat loss is great. And you look in the mirror and you go like, yeah, cool. I'm, I'm being disciplined at the moment and I'm going to carry that over to what else can I do if I'm disciplined? Like, Yeah. So I, I think it's almost that it's not that that's a problem, what he's doing. It's that the people that attend it need something more on top of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, that they, they need some, and this is where, like, I'm sure you've done lots of research on this, like tribal initiation rituals for men, having yeah. someone to, to to be a good role model to look up to. That that, that isn't super present in society. No, um, exactly. And, yeah. and if that was there, and then someone's like, you know what, I want to like actually pull my finger out a bit and like get my shit together so I can go after my dreams. That'd be freaking awesome to attend that. But but a lot of people haven't been initiated from being like an immature boy to a, a mature man, a healthy yep. heart centered man. I yep. recommend that anyone's listening that wants to be like a really successful, well-rounded man reads a book like no more Mr. Nice guy or King warrior, magician lover. Um, or what's that other one? Iron, um, Iron John. Uh, you know, there, there's some phenomenal books out there that talk about like healthy masculinity and, uh, and the thing that makes a difference between like any of the, the the light and shadow qualities of a man is whether they're connected to their heart or not. It's like, a, a, for example, the two shadow uh, archetypal energies of the warrior are the sadist and the masochist. So the warrior is healthy. It's healthy to be a warrior. It's to be strong, to be disciplined, to endure pain, to achieve something worth. Well, that's a healthy attribute. Um, but when it becomes unhealthy is when you're actually wanting to inflict pain upon someone else. And that only happens from a place of insecurity or disconnection from the heart. And then the opposite passive pole of that shadow, that shadow pole of the, the sadist is the masochist. Whereas when you feel like you want to inflict pain on yourself, like masochism for anyone that doesn't know is when someone derives sexual pleasure from their self-harm, like someone chokes himself when they masturbate or something like that. And that's like the extreme form, but in a subtle form, it's like, it's putting yourself through suffering unnecessarily. Like I should work hard. I should be. And it's like not knowing and discerning when to actually give yourself a pat on the back. Cause like when I went to the city today and I did those things, I was like, man, I'm so like, I'm really genuinely proud of myself for doing this. Like I'm real, this is a big step for me today. And and I really get honored myself for it. And I was like, yeah, good on you. Like, that's awesome. And when I did these things, I was really coming from a place of, of love as most of that, that I, as I could in the way that I was doing the activities. I feel like that's a, that for me is a lot different to what I used to do in the past. Cause I used to make my clients feel bad about who they were if they didn't hit certain results, you know, and that was my projected masochist within and also mm -hmm. the sadist part of me. I love that. You know, just the idea of doing more things that you're proud of, I think is like a pretty good guide for a lot of people. Like, you know, something I come back to is like, you know, if you do a lot of things that you're proud of, then life gets good. And if you're doing a lot of things that you're really not proud of and you don't, you, you don't want anyone to see that you do or whatever, like then yeah. you get a lot of internal conflict. Like, Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to these topics. <laughs> it's a lot to it. <clears throat> yeah. People carry a lot of shame. A lot of shame yeah and it's like the most base um you know the most damaging place to, to live from is to, to live from shame if you look at like power versus force the david hawkins stuff but yeah you 
you don't yeah. want to be, you, know, you don't want to be living in, in shame. But it's like, yeah, yeah, we carry so much and we're taught to shame. You know, a lot of things that, you know, that come naturally to us or that we want. Like people are ashamed of of success. You know, now like it's yeah. a lot of people don't do what they need to do because like, they're so scared of showing their their achievements. Where like. Mm. I, you know and that's like a thing with social media now it's like people are scared to show their achievements because they think that you know social media is only like people showing their best stuff like of course you're going to show your best stuff like you don't yeah. you don't write a book about like your boring experiences or the stuff that you know like you don't want you know no one wants to yeah. see that no, that's not um as long as you're good in yourself then you know like sharing other people's achievements and seeing other people's achievements like should lift you up and if it's not then you like that's when you have cause yeah. for reflection and, you know. yeah yeah I, I agree but i i also compare myself if i see people achieving a lot and uh can compare myself and feel like i'm less than uh, but i don't think it's their fault you know i go okay there's some you know it's just okay come back to myself and what can i honor myself and be proud of myself for, or maybe I do an eye gaze and, and just repeat that I love myself. Um, I, because I do this eye gaze quite often where I say, I love you. I've got your back. Let's do this. I love you. I've got your back. Let's do this. And I'll do it for five or 10 minutes and I'll really like get back in my own corner. So then I'm not going to be as, as affected or I can remedy the insecurities that I felt. And, and that that's needed for me all the time because I've always got self-shaming happening for me you know so hopefully like i hope that other people don't have it happen as much as i do but i know that a lot of people do have that self-shaming and, and feeling that comparison and those insecurities so you know i need to remedy it comes up all the time for me i think i think a lot of what i see is like i just try it on like would i like to be that in the future what would i have to do to be that and then often i fall in love with like a bunch of different things you know like i think we're so or i'm personally very influenced by what i'm looking at you know? i think we mm. most of us are so you have to be really careful where you put your attention because the, like the fight at the moment is for your attention and but like if i'm watching a bunch of stuff about making more money then i'm just like gonna be like oh i wonder what that would feel like and i like so excited yeah. to do it and then if i'm watching someone do a one-arm chin i'm like oh like you know i want to do that yeah. and if i'm watching you know like and it's like wherever I'm kind of putting that attention and I guess your influence and the reason why I, I reached out to you, like I want to you know, do a consult and I want to have you like deep dive into, into the business. And also like, I guess, you, you know, I know you're going to have the courage to share whatever you think about me as well, like, which yeah. I appreciate. Um, yeah, cool. But like with you, I know I'm going to get like, now I know I'm going to get both. Like, and that's pretty unique of like um, those two sides of like mm. having been super hardcore in business and like knowing how to do that stuff and like having deeper knowledge and experience and, you know, using words that don't really, I don't really know what they're about. And then on the other side, like having like gone super deep on the, on the spiritual journey, you know, like that puts you in a really unique position and perspective mm. to be able to, you know, look at my life and, um, yeah, that was, I mean, it was a Dan, pa Dan Pena post, if I'm honest, like that was like, oh, I need to, I need to reconnect with Ryan again because I'm really curious about how that went down. And mm. yeah, like, um, it's, yeah, that I think if, for me, that if you have that social, if that's how social media influences you or just media in general, um, is <clears throat> like, do I want to be that? And if your answer is no then move on. If the answer is yes, then it's like, okay, well, what do I need to change? 
you can't yeah. be everything all the time. But if it's inspiring your journey, then you know. And then if yeah, if it's not, then probably just tune out and like unfollow whatever. Or yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of people say that they get so much connection from social media, but I don't buy that. I feel like that's a. I feel like that is a justification to to stay on it because I use. I still get trapped in the scroll every now and again. But what I what I do is. I've muted every single person on my social media that's not in like the the small handful of people that I personally want to be more like. And and then I have five, uh, three five-minute windows of time, one in the morning, like between when I wake up, only after I've done my meditation and, and morning ritual before 12 o'clock, a five-minute timer. I put a timer on and then I'm allowed to do whatever I want. I can scroll, I can like, I can comment, I can uh, look at my messages, whatever. And I do that morning afternoon and night one one time um for the, those three so three times a day um but yeah and, th- and that's when i'll see the people that i'm inspired by but i don't actually go there to connect i don't actually feel a deep sense of connection with people often but i do like to check out what my the people i look up to are doing um but i don't uh i get connection by catching up with someone and like having a chat with you like in the on the phone that's where i'll connect <laughs> it's, it's, yeah it's very superficial but it's it's still like it's I still I think it's interesting and you can get like tidbits of information and ideas like there is it's just understanding that yeah like there's another level in depth like I have at the moment I have like twenty hours a week maybe on Zoom uh, and mm. I live on a little island and we're in lockdown at the moment um, but like I'm super connected you know I'm chatting to interesting people all the time and some of them are yeah. teaching me I'm teaching some some of you know like uh, and I encourage people to like to be to be zooming, you know, to be to be connecting with people because it's so much deeper, you know. Like, yeah, we're not in the same room, but it's much much closer than sending text messages to each other or like looking at each other's social posts or whatever. Like the connection that we build in this, like it lasts for for months and years, and you know, we're gonna, you know, you feel forever more connected after you've had this kind of experience uh-huh. where. The same is not true. Like you don't even remember the person's like name, what's their handle, like who is this guy, where yeah. they're from. Like it's nothing like, you know. So I encourage people to like still can yeah, pursue the next level of depth of of, of connection yeah. intimacy with people that Yeah. That and I'm a you. massive I'm a massive fan of try before you deny as well. Like just don't just because I say something, say it's true, like go to the <laughs> in your seminar or yeah. uh actually go off social media for a week or try what I, the way that I do it and see if it actually does make you feel more expansive and empowered and, and more connected. Try not catching up with anyone in person for two weeks and see how you feel. And then try catching up with people every day for two weeks and see how you feel, you know, I've just done that. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that, man. When you just like, all, all I do is like make sales on, on social media and I don't actually chat to anyone. And I always feel like junk, you know, where if I'm doing okay. these, and I'm like having these conversations, like at the moment I'm doing like multiple a day, like life is, life is just so good. You know, it's just, um, it's so, so good. Like I'm so excited for every, everything. Like it's just, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my experience, but it's hundred percent. You're right. Like test it out for yourself. Like maybe other people, have, you know, different yeah and the volume as well like how many you need to have if you need it once a week do you know what, what's good for you like yeah yeah that, that's what i think is cool like you get everyone has the free will to be able to discern what they need and set up their rhythm 
the way that's going to best suit them for the season they're in. And that's something that took me so long to actually just have enough grounded sense of self to realize that if I watch a video with someone preaching an absolute extreme principle, it doesn't mean that that's the right way. It just means that I can, ah, opportunity, curiosity, like what you said before, when you're watching videos around money, it makes you curious. The one arm pull-ups, you're curious about it. Um, I really rate that, but I used to listen to one video. I could attend a meditation thing even before I was into spirituality and I'd just be enthralled by the person and be like, I need to be meditating all the time or I'm doing it all wrong. Then I hear someone talk about hustle and I'd be like, man, I need to be hustling harder as opposed to just being able to come back to more of a grounded center and discern what I need for what I desire at that time. A little bit less influenced by the externals and a little bit more tuning into what feels right for me at the time. I love it. What's, what's, uh, what's next for you or what's exciting for you at the moment? What's exciting for me is community. Uh, what's exciting for me is learning guitar. What's exciting for me is going outside my comfort zone and speaking as much as possible. Uh, and and also integrating, integrating from the different flavors that I've experienced so far. But uh, see, I'm really doing my absolute best to, to shed my massive attachment to uh, to being perceived as someone that's awesome because that that for me cripples what my heart really desires a lot of the time like for example i'll be like fuck i'd really love to do a community event where i bring this expert this expert and this expert together and that's like feels expansive for me and i create a community i would love that i'd enjoy it i'd thrive in my element speaking and getting to co-create and participate in modalities and and experiences that i love but then my intellect will come in and just be like, but how could you monetize it at a higher level? And so I've got, and because of my deep down desire to be recognized at a, at a high level, which is healthy to a certain degree, but I just know it's not at the, like I can discern for myself at the moment that I want to be able to put service a bit higher up and status a bit higher down in terms of what's pulling me. Because the status is is or i already have a higher status you know it's not what's needed for me to to concentrate on as the primary factor behind my decision making so what excites me is actually being able to tune in with what my heart really desires for me to do service wise and experience wise i really want to be serving as much as possible because i feel so good when i'm doing it like now on this which is why i'm like yeah let's do this straight you're like hey do you want to jump on a podcast and i'm like mate two weeks away is too far let's do it let's do it straight away because i want to do it i already did a like a webinar this morning and got a podcast tomorrow i've got a podcast maybe two on thursday like i love this shit so anyway uh that's that's what's exciting me at the moment how about you man so good well i've got guitars on the way at the moment and there's a cool. ukulele sitting just there actually but um we got we got some instruments for the kids the kids have been like zenning oh. out we got the you know those meditation the round ones that have the different sounds yeah you know, like where they're yeah so the, the kids like sit and play that like oh, you can man. see them getting deep like <laughs> yeah i haven't done a huge amount of research into it but what i've heard is and what i've experienced is just like really good for presence yeah like i i and and, and my creativity and my confidence like i start jamming i'll be playing some guitars and i'll just start singing or i might start rapping over the top or it really does. I, I feel like it's a super help. And what I was doing more of when I felt like I needed to relax was watching movies, which I also really enjoy. But I felt like 
it would be more healthy to play an instrument um, because I felt better afterwards than watching a movie because I'd often not. How long have you been playing? I've been playing for like, I reckon eight weeks. Yeah, cool. And there's some days where I've played for eight hours in a row. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So like, so like to be honest with you, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm loving this, and I'm also excited to jump off and practice guitar tonight before I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, epic. No, it's yeah. So, so good to have that. Excited about. I, uh, yeah. So Is good. it um, metal strings or plastic? Yeah, metal strings. I've got sore fingers. Yeah, That's you would have. <laughs> but I've actually gone through the phase already where yeah, like they've stopped hurting pretty much. Yeah, 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 they're already calloused, um, which yeah. is cool. But yeah, man, I, I had one guitar that I bought. It was like 500 bucks. And then I was like, shit, I'm going to travel soon because I get out of my lease in three weeks. And then I'm going to be more flexible with where I live. I'm going to live with one of my friends. And then I'm going to go to Adelaide for a bit. Then I'm going to Uluru to check that out. And then I'm going to Perth and then Byron. So I'm going to have a little phase of having a bit more freedom and exploring a bit. Um, and I was like, no, what am I going to do with my guitar? So I bought a foldable guitar where the neck can fold in and it fits in a backpack. Yeah. So I'm like, I want it with me everywhere I go. But it's cool because I think it's something that you can keep with you for the rest of your life, you know, instigate little singing circles with your friends. Like, I'm pretty pumped about it. Yeah, I uh, I used, I had the same idea, man. Like in my 20s, there was a guy. So it's one of the things that like limiting beliefs, like a bunch of the limiting beliefs were like what I was taking on while I was backpacking in my 20s, like learning other languages and juggling. And these were like limiting beliefs. And one of them was guitar. And then a guy was playing like a little toy guitar one day in the hostel. I was like, oh, can you teach me a chord? And he taught me one chord and he tried to teach me a rhythm that was actually like really hard. So I like try to get this rhythm for like hours and hours of like this strumming pattern. Yeah. Um, and then another guy had a guitar and then, this Irish guy and he was going back to Ireland. So he's like, Oh, you want to buy the guitar off me? So then I traveled with his guitar in Mexico and I could hardly play, but yeah. like everyone can play guitar in Mexico. So I was like, every time I was like sitting waiting for a bus or something, I'd just get it out and then like just use it to like start a conversation or whatever. Like can you oh, teach me it. something. And it was, it was so much fun. And I, uh, like I didn't have a fancy folding guitar. Like I just battled around with like a, just yeah. trying not to break it kind of thing. Just carrying it everywhere <laughs> with my backpack. And, um, yeah, it was the, it was the best. Yeah, I had some days of playing a lot as well, and um, yeah, I think it's, it's such a good such a good thing to have. Like, in, yeah, yeah it seems to be heaps of people at the moment. A couple of my good training friends are like learning piano at the moment. It's just it's so yeah. it's yeah it's good. Like, it's so good for the heart. So oh man, I'm loving it, and I'm so like grateful that I've come across it now because I yeah it would have been great to learn an instrument growing up, but I'm like yeah sweet. When I'm like 60 and some old dude, I'm going to have like this repertoire of different genres of music I can play, including like kirtan, like call and response and like medicine songs. And wherever I go, I can pretty much just create an experience that brings joy to people and myself. That's, yeah, pretty excited about it, man. If you can't tell. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's oozing from you. That's good. Um, yeah. Woo. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, let's, let's, well, hopefully we get a jam uh, at at some time. I don't think it'll work <laughs> over Zoom, but maybe uh, maybe when you're on the circle when I'm back over. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't know how to get to your island or much about it, but if it's possible to get there when COVID opens up, I'll definitely come and stay for like a week or two. Yeah, more. yeah, I'd love it. Man. I'd love to, I'd love to have you here. It's um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful spot. It really is uh, magnificent. So amazing. So, dude. If we can make it happen, then yeah, do it. Yeah, it's, Let's yeah. do it. Sounds amazing. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah.
Perfect. All right. Well, I pr- really appreciate your uh, your time today. You know, the way that you're living your life is is massively inspirational. And I know a lot of people are going to get tons out of this uh, today. So I really, really appreciate your time and everything that you, you're doing with yourself, all the work that you've put in to be who you are and, and all Thanks, the chilling Dix. out uh, reflection as well. So thank you so much. Thanks, man. It's been so awesome to chat. And I just want to say before I go to the people that are listening, like, I have massive ups and down battles with myself all the time. You know, I have massive procrastination. I have massive fear that gets in my way. Like I'm battling through just like everybody else. And it's just like, can you keep showing up? Can you keep like recognizing what you are doing? Can you keep do what you can do for that day? Maybe you can't do a workout on that day, but you just like, you can do 10 push push-ups. or go for like a five minute run. I mean, just recognize the pro- progress and just being like give yourself permission to be in your own corner and just the one activity i'd highly recommend that everyone starts at least tries and see how it goes for you just eye gaze with yourself like it's uh, if i was in a relationship with someone and i was coexisting sleeping next to them having sex with them kissing cuddling being in the same house with them all the time but i didn't stop look them in the eyes and really like see them and acknowledge them and be like you know what it's you and fucking me. Like we're in this together. Like we're spending our lives together. I love you. I've got you back. Let's fucking do this. If I didn't have that depth of experience, I feel like it'd be lacking so much, so much depth and connection. And that also applies to ourselves. It's like you live with yourself. Like you are your own, like you are you. And it, it's so important to get in your own corner. And so if you can look yourself in the eyes in the mirror and spend a f- couple of minutes, five minutes, and just say, I love you, I've got your back, let's do this. And attempt to feel that love for yourself and recognize that you're a human doing the best you can. So powerful. So yeah. Epic. Yeah. So I'd recommend doing that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for your time and, and sharing your sharing your wisdom. And uh, yeah, we'll speak again soon. Sounds good, man.